1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
0: Good afternoon, good morning, good whatever it is, wherever you are. I hope this podcast is finding you well. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I really appreciate you. I know there are so many other things you could be doing. And the fact that you are choosing to spend time with me here today, that's not lost on me. I really Really appreciate it. Today I'm talking to Excel. He's an artist from Texas, and he's been doing some really interesting things in a somewhat non-traditional manner, and I wanted to get him on to talk about his journey and how he's managed to make music his career, which is a topic I never get sick of because I used to think it was impossible for me to have a career in the music industry, and I've found a way to weasel my way into it somehow. And I'm always interested to find other folks who have also taken a different path to doing what they love for a living. So that's why he's here today. He's a great dude. We have some great conversations. I think you're really going to enjoy this. I just have one small thing before we dive right in. Basically, I want to remind you about the text chat. You can text me at 503-751-8577, and that is also in the show notes, and it comes right to me it comes right to an application that I open up and I see who's texting, and I spend a good chunk of every day going through all those and replying to everybody and interacting. I really, really like that part. It's especially helpful for those who don't really use social media and they want to interact with the show and give feedback and request guests and nerd out about pedals or send memes or anything, really. It's really a great way to stay in touch and once in a while i'll send out a mass text to everybody about sometimes it's a survey sometimes it's a new piece of content that is you know not exactly the podcast or just a question there's all kinds of things anything you might want to text your buddy about you can do it right there and you can opt out at any time by simply replying stop so yeah and that again goes right to me it's all me no one else is involved and i spend a ton of time interacting with folks over there so if you want to get involved in that, it's in the show notes. Okay, enough jibber-jabber. Let's get into more jibber-jabber. Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Tone Mob podcast, a show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. I'm your host, Blake Weiland. With me today, I have my dude, XL, what's going on, my man? How are you doing, my dude? I'm doing great, man. How are you? You know, I uh, I accidentally got on here an hour before we were supposed to do this, and I realized, wait a minute, I'm an hour early. So I went and slammed. I was like, I just like went in the house and was like, I'm I'm I got time. I'm slamming in a session of weights before I can uh, jump into this because I didn't think I was going to get that done today. So it actually worked out in my favor to be a little early. So. Ooh, that's, I'm that's like,
1: dope. This, after this, I'm actually planning to go to the gym myself, man. So I'm on that Texas time, so I got a little bit messed up.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I still have never been to Texas. It feels weird to say that because there's so much oh, okay. music and so many things I like about
1: Texas, and I've never been. Let me tell you, man, the, the community in Texas is just amazing. Like, it's amazing. Uh, meeting the right kind of musicians in Texas, like, super talented anywhere you go. It's it's a lot like um, it's a more laid back California in my opinion. Like okay. in terms of musicality and everybody's kind of doing music their own way and everyone's super supportive here man. I love Texas. Texas is great. That's cool man. How long have you been there? I've been here for a couple of years now. Mhm. Where are you originally from? So originally from NEPA, Northeast Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, huge music scene in that area. I'm sure you know. Like uh, they had a boom with alternative, you know, they had bands like uh, Breaking Ben came out. I think that was one of the biggest ones. Motionless and White came out. And then, of course, you know, more of your underground, but still mainstream bands. We had Title Fight come out of there, you know, bands like that and the alternative, uh, the post-grunge, post-hardcore scene. And there's still so many bands that are super talented in that area. So they always get my love and respect for sure.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So yeah, like I'm I'm trying to reach back into my memory banks and I, for the life of me, like can't even really remember how we got connected in the first place. But then like uh so somehow we got connected. I know it was on Facebook, which it seems unusual these days for anybody to actually connect yeah. on Facebook, but like
1: unless you're like 65. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Or a member of the Tone Mob Facebook group. There's a little plug. Uh yeah, it seems kind of unusual, but I'm pretty sure that's where I first started seeing your posts. And like, yeah, obviously you play guitar, and then it was yeah. kind of evolving into more of a of a producer realm, including doing your own solo stuff. But then the, some of the people you started working with, I was like, this guy's really out here doing something that uh, I think <laughs> needs, you know, needs some light shed on it. And that's why I wanted to get you on the show. Obviously, we can <laughs> talk guitars and whatever. But yeah. I more wanted to just dig into like he seemed to be going at this from a different angle than what I think maybe the people in, the especially in the rock and roll, you know, punk rock area that I come back here come from yeah. tend to approach the idea of making a career in music. And mm. I really wanted to get you on to talk about that because it's a uh, you're taking it a different path and I think it's really cool. But maybe the best place to start is like, where did you start? When did you pick up? whatever your first instrument was, and then we can kind of get to today.
1: Wow, that's always such a beautiful question, you know, because I always want to help out independent artists, because it seems like there's a lot of noise in the music scene. There's a lot of noise, like how to do something, how to be this, how to be this. You should write songs like this. You should write songs like that. Mm -hmm. You know, the best thing I learned before we get into my background is there's no rhyme or reason everybody's story is going to start and end differently. There's literally no... Copy paste formula to do anything. It just happens. It just happens. As long as you stay on a path and you have that goal in mind, and you will not be shaken from that goal, I guarantee you something will happen. But I can't tell you how because that's going to be up to you and the universe or whatever you believe in, right? Mm-hmm. You know, on how that's going to happen. You know, so I I really appreciate being here so I can talk to the independent artists to hopefully give them some kind of inspiration as well. So my background really starts, I would say wow, if I go all the way back getting into music, my dad owned a bar and restaurant and he would always have karaoke nights. And of course there was a jukebox, all that kind of stuff. And uh, a lot of different people came in with a lot of different music tastes. So mm-hmm. my first memories of music would be something like Johnny Cash or it would be something like ACDC, for example. Just tons of different sounds with Michael Jackson, Prince, because everyone played different stuff. And so for me, not many people in my family were actually musical. Like my dad could play the harmonica and my dad could carry a tune. I have an uncle who could play the drums. But other than that, there was really nobody in in my learnings of it, at least, right? Maybe Mm -hmm. down the line. But as far as I know, there were really just two musical people in my family other than myself. Um, My cousin, she was a great singer. But outside of that, there really wasn't. Anybody at least trying to go for anything in a band sense or a um, musician sense to really go out and get something. Yeah. So with coming up on a bunch of different forms of music, you know, I got into such things as Guitar Hero. Guitar Hero was actually my first introduction into the guitar. Okay. That's what made me want to pick up a guitar. And I remember the, the two songs that made me want to get a real guitar were allison chains them bones and system of a down byob on expert yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and those were my two songs that made me want to pick up a guitar and so i had asked my dad you know i was like i really want to get a guitar i really want to get a guitar i really want to get a guitar and then he was like Ah, oh, you know it'd be too much noise too much noise electric guitars you know this that and the other oh, and yeah. he's like why don't you do the piano you could turn it down you know, like a keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so he got me a keyboard and I remember, man, like it had like the LEDs on it and everything. So mm-hmm. you could like try to play twinkle, twinkle, little star of the LEDs. Oh man, I can fake a good piano, but I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the piano at all. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, I talked to my mom and I was like, mom, I really want a guitar. I really want a guitar. And so, She had talked to my dad and my dad was like, oh, no, I really don't want him to get a guitar, et cetera, et cetera. And they were separated, but they still had like a talking relationship. Yeah. So, man, eventually, you know, my dad broke and he got me a guitar with a Line 6 Spider amp. Of course. (laughs) Of course. That was the thing, man. Absolutely. And my first guitar, my first real guitar was actually an Ibanez 1995 Iceman. Hey. Not bad. <laughs> which, is, which really came together because System of a Down at the time were my favorite band, you know? And so Darren always played the Iceman. And I loved that guitar, man. Unfortunately, I ended up selling it, but now it's, it's worth a mint now, being a 95, yeah. you know? Uh, but it was a great guitar. I couldn't play a lick on it at all. I don't know why I had such a decent guitar when I, <laughs> when I was first starting <laughs> um, But yeah. You know, that was my first guitar and everything. That was my first introduction to music. And then uh, one story I never really shared much was I started getting into, like, karaoke contests. Uh, There was, like, a local fair. I started doing a bunch of karaoke contests. I impersonated Michael Jackson at, like, 14 years old. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up winning the contest. And so that was, like, my first, like, wow, maybe you got something here, kid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And. Just just by a little goal like that, just by achieving a little goal like that really pushed me into music. So after that, you know, we fast forward a few years being in and out of like little garage bands, never really getting anywhere. Um, I had one band that started getting some movement. The band was Inner Temple and we were like a grunge alternative band. And one night we were playing in New Jersey and a guy came up to my bassist and drummer at the time and he goes, oh man, you guys are really good. I'd love to connect with you guys. This guy ended up being the former manager of Alice Chains and Soundgarden. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. And so it was amazing. So, you know, we went a little bit back and forth with this guy. But unfortunately, at the end of the day, the band didn't work out. And the bassist and guitarist, uh, sorry, the bassist and drummer had left. Just because, you know, they wanted to do other things in life, which I totally understand. It ended it up happens, working. yeah. Yeah, it ended up working out for everybody. So I think that's awesome. You know, I have no hate in my heart at all. And actually, I have tons of love for those guys. They're still some of my best friends. And they check on it. They check in on me once in a while to make sure everything's good. You know, great people. So after the band broke up, I was really sad. And so my best friend, Chris, he was like, dude, why don't you start posting like covers on YouTube or something? And I was like, I don't even know what I would cover. And he's like, I don't know who's who's really hot right now. He's like, and he checks his phone to see like who's hot on the charts. And he's like, what about Post Malone? And I was like, well, I never really listened to Post before. At the time, I didn't because Post was like still relatively just getting out there. Mm -hmm. You know, and I come from a rock background, even though I grew up on hip hop, R&B as well. I've always been very more so focused on like the rock scene at the time. And so I did a cover at a friend's house. He recorded it, and I had another friend come by, and he did a video for it and everything. Posted it up on YouTube. Didn't do much traction on YouTube, so I was like, well, I'll post it up on Facebook. At the time, Facebook was popping for videos. So I posted it up on Facebook in a Post Malone fans group, and it went viral in these Post Malone groups. Like, it started getting 100,000 views, 200,000 views. Then I posted another Post Malone cover, and they ended up getting like a million views combined. And they were actually so close to the original that it got removed. I got zucked because it was so close. (laughs) (laughs) Sound of it. And it was a different beat, everything like that, Mm -hmm. you know, but it was close enough where it got flagged and removed. But that's where everything started. So, in brevity, on Instagram, I got a DM. And this guy just DMs me. He's like, hey man, you got a really good voice, et cetera, et cetera. I'd love to work with you. So I look at this guy's page, it's verified, it's got a check mark and everything. And so I see that it's Sauce Lord Rich. And Sauce Lord Rich is somebody who's worked with Lil Wayne, Two Chains. He was post Malone's one of his first producers. Mm-hmm. And he had seen the video that had like started getting traction and everything. And so he contacted me. And a few months later, I was down in Atlanta, we're recording, and then we just became like the best of friends. And so fast forward from that, and working with Post Malone's foreign producer, we had Luca Magic, and now Luca Magic's been doing this amazing, you know, thing, of course, which we can get into in a bit, but yeah, yeah. in the NBA and everything, but that's pretty much, you know, signed and sealed. That's how I got into music. And that's kind of how I got where I'm at right now.
0: You know that's the story that i I like people to hear so much because it it can feel and even even for me I, you know sometimes even just like trying to show a new pedal to people like sometimes yeah. you you know you post things and it feels like you're just screaming into the wind, you know, and like yeah. nothing's really happening, but you know in hearing that and then like hearing you know I had a a guy a producer by the name of big ko on the podcast a while back. Yeah. I don't know if you heard that one, but um yeah. he he his big thing was just like you never know, you know, the numbers don't tell the whole story, right? Hmm. Like you never know who's actually listening or checking it out. And, you know, I can speak to, you know, some of the podcasts while it it does well. And it's what pays the bills. You know, it's far from the most popular podcast in the world. And it sometimes is like, oh man, I wish this was bigger. I wish this was doing some. And then I get a message from, well, actually sometimes the messages just from random people are the most uplifting because it's like getting things that are like man this show helped me get through this rough patch and it's like what i'm just some nerd blabbering on the internet but you know if it helps people you know that's even better but the other point is like with music especially you never know who's listening and what that could lead to more importantly because it's all about you know getting in with people and you know getting a good vibe together and, and making things happen. Speaking of a system of a down, I just had Chavo on the show too. Oh, that yeah, I saw, I saw that. I freaked
1: yeah. out. I was like, Oh my God. I yeah.
0: did I marked
1: well, out. I fangirled out.
0: I, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to try not to do it to his face. Yeah. Uh, Cause similarly, like <laughs> toxicity when that, when that album dropped, it did not leave my disc man for like a year <laughs> and a half. It was just mm. all I listened to while mm-hmm. doing everything. But, Going back, you know, we had this connection to um, to Morgoth Beats, who would come on the podcast. And he's actually kind of got a similar story to you. He started in metal with yeah. his band Winds, Winds of Plague, which he still does. Right? But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he started doing a lot of hip hop and pop stuff. And now he's done songs with <laughs> Travis Barker and like all these crazy people, you know, and Absolutely. you never know where it could lead.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? I think it needs to be said. There's nothing wrong with doing everything that you love. If Mm -hmm. you love rock and you also love hip hop, you can do both. Yeah, you can do both. And that's not saying like, you know, because a lot of people will say things like, oh, you know, this person's selling out or cashing in whatever verbiage they want to use. But it's like sometimes people just like a lot of different things. And that's okay. Mm hmm. You know, I see it, um, just for example, because it's on topic, you know, I see with Post. Post can do country, and then he can do rap, and then he can do rock. And he's great at all of it. He really is. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a great artist. And so to see that, I really hope more musicians do that. I hope yeah. more musicians do that. Because I would personally hate to bottle myself up into one category and be like, well, I got to stay here because most people like me here in this box. You know? Mm-hmm. So I hope we see more of that with artists.
0: And I think that's becoming less and less of an issue over time, you know, because it used to be like even when as a consumer, you know, back in the day, we were we were in kind of similar scenes in different places. You know, it's like, oh, you have to listen to metal and punk and post hardcore and whatever. If that's if that and if that's what you listen to, you're not allowed to listen to, you know, NWA or something, you know. There was like this unspoken rule. And over the years, that's gotten totally like eroded and broken down. I don't think kids these days have that viewpoint at all. It's just like this song's cool. This song's also cool or whatever. You know, Uh, it's there's the there's still scenes and there's still like clicks and tours that sometimes don't make sense on paper. But at the same time, everybody's having a good time. Everybody's here to just enjoy the music. I don't think getting pigeonholed is something that happens as much now. It still does, but not
1: as much, I don't think. Yeah, and I think that needs to happen more often with, you know, putting out all your influences because a lot of people wouldn't know, but when I was playing in the grunge band and everything, my first album ever, my first ever physical record was Ludacris' Chicken and Beer. Yeah, That was (laughs) my first ever physical record was Chicken and Beer by Ludacris. Mm -hmm. And so... You you will. You'll have people because I do the, the pop music and stuff now more so than rock music, even though I'd still love to feature on a lot of rock songs just because that still has my heart for sure. You know, a lot of people will be like, well, you man, you, you know, you sold out. You went from grunge to, to pop music to mainstream and everything. Like I said, they wouldn't know my first ever physical record was literally a rap album, Chicken and Beer by Ludacris. Great record, too. Great record! Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a a rap legend, especially of our generation. Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, and then I remember playing as Ludacris in Def Jam Vendetta. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, like, people people just want to put their opinion on you of what they want to imagine you as. And that's Mm -hmm. it. And that's it. You know, they don't really care to know your background, anything like that. It's just, if this is where they want you, this is where they want to keep you. But I really hope that we see more artists uh broadening out and like you said we're seeing that more often and i think that's great
0: yeah yeah another thing too that that i find like really interesting is like with post specifically and i'm guilty of this too like i listened to some of his songs was like oh this is cool it's not really my jam but it's cool mm-hmm. and then when he did the this is like totally old man of me but like when he did the nirvana stream over lockdown yep. i watched the whole thing i was like this is so sick and then i went back and actually listened critically to what he was doing. And I was like, Oh, I'm hearing all these different things that I just was kind of writing off before, you know, and I can see where he's get, where he's coming from a lot better. And it made me like genuinely appreciate and become a fan of what he does. You know? And some people are like, ah, it's, that's for kids. That's, that's not rock and roll. I'm like, ah, listen to the, listen to it. Like actually, <sighs> dice it down a little bit and even at the end of the day you don't have to you don't have to love it but you i think most musicians could at least
1: appreciate it you know on that level for sure and like the gatekeeping thing has always been weird to me oh yeah you you know with with people saying oh like for example like nirvana goes through it a lot like nirvana gets bashed a lot and it's like what why you know they'll, they'll be like do you listen to grunge Oh, I bet you like Nirvana. We're like, someone wearing a Nirvana shirt. What are your top five songs? And it smells like (laughs) a on there? Oh my God. No, not at all. (laughs) It's so weird. Like to me, man, like music is music no matter what form it is, no matter what it comes from. And honestly, in my opinion, this is a hot take, but all music is exactly the same. Whether Johnny Cash is talking about shooting someone down in Reno or whether 21 Savage is rapping about it, guess what? It's the same thing exactly the same thing and that's a lot of thing that people miss so when they have this gatekeeper thing about like oh country can't be good or rap can't be good or rock can't be good it's really all the same thing with a different beat Mm Hmm. yeah i mean at the end of the
0: day it's like people get so and i again i'm saying this as somebody who's guilty of it like people get so upset and riled up about like that human's making a sound that I don't appreciate. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe your voice is annoying to some people, like whatever you don't necessarily know. Uh, But that's not to say you're not allowed to have opinions or anything like that. And I've definitely voiced my share of them on the show. But Mm. I try to be more open these days than I have been in the past, just because I've had a lot of my preconceived notions shattered over the years. And I think it's. It's good to try to have as few of those as possible when, you know, observing Uh, anything, really.
1: Absolutely. Especially like yourself, you know, being a creator. I mean, I I think taking little influences from everything is really magical, you know, because we get a lot of new sounds from just taking little influences from different artists, different genres. I think that's great. That's what I love about today's music. Honestly, is that anything that you can think of that you want to hear right now is literally at your fingertips. That's right there. Mm -hmm. Somebody making something like people say oh you know rock is dead or grunge is dead i know tons of new rock bands i know tons of new grunge bands like they're coming out still every day mm-hmm. but it's up to you to go find it and if you want that to come back around if that's the movement that you personally want then go support go find them cuz they're mm-hmm. out there the they're great
0: yeah that's the thing is when people say yeah ro- especially rock just cuz that's what i'm closest to is dead i'm like and you're not looking very hard like, yeah I think about the effort that that basically every generation, you know, well, you know, it goes uh, it goes a few years after me, but like pretty much anybody that's like, you know, 30 and, and under has it, has had it so much easier as far as discovery goes. You know, we'd have to go in there and, and that's funny because we're of the age where the Gen X and older people forget that we remember the days of the Rotary Telephone. and like before the internet the guys i used to work with at my old jobs that would say things all the time they'd be like oh yeah you probably don't remember that pre internet like yeah yes i do remember a world without the internet the 90s had no internet it was like yeah so digging through record bins you know i was mostly looking at cds at the time that was still an experience that i had to discover new bands i had to go to the store rifle through bins and hope I liked the one that I grabbed and if not, maybe take it back and trade it in if you're lucky, you know? So now you just go like, huh, that's an interesting thing. Click. Yeah. Yeah. I like this or I don't like it. It's just so much easier to discover new music. And so I feel like if you think that genre is dead, like really dig in and search because there's somebody out there that would appreciate your ears and it takes you very little effort compared to, you know, previous years, I think.
1: Absolutely, it's it's not, in my opinion, you know, being in the industry and everything. Now, it's not so much what's alive and what's dead; it's what's more in the forefront. That's it, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't believe any genre dies. There's still people out there, you know, making literally 1950s, 60s jazz music. It's still there. It literally still exists in the ethos. People are still making it. It's just yeah. up to you to find it. And like you're saying about record stores, actually brought it core memory back. I remember going like FYE, and you could yes. scan and you put on the headset and you look, <laughs> Yeah. clips oh man that's a core memory you just unlocked
0: well that would be that would be something that we would do as friends we would just be like what do we want to do today we're like let's go try to find some new music at FYE or whatever store it was I think it was mostly FYE actually yeah. I'd go there and spend hours hours digging yeah. through bins and like yeah at least we did have the scan function towards the end of that store's life rest in peace uh <laughs> All right. but uh yeah we would burn hours and it would just be like that covers interesting looking scan absolutely.
1: absolutely and there's so many
0: bands like i would some of my favorite like i heard that's the first time i heard shadows fall was yeah in that. i was like oh bye like must have this like oh man yeah, yeah that's a good memory Whew. that was fun yeah times.
1: i remember i remember going through the fye store and uh my brother was uh well my brother is about 20 years older than me and i'm currently 28 Mm -hmm. so he was watching stuff like beavis and butthead after it was already off the air he had like all the tapes and everything right and so growing up i remember my brother having like these beavis and butthead vhs's and i went to fye one day and you go over to like the adult section of like where you should or shouldn't be listening as a kid and so i go over i see (laughs) like uh the mixtape the beavis and butthead mixtape from the movie Mm -hmm. that soundtrack was so good was so good had like a really red hot chili peppers roller coaster love on it. uh had Ozzy on there. Um, and that's where I actually first heard Nirvana was I hate myself and I want to die. Was Whoa. on, yeah, was on that little, you know, uh, soundtrack for the Beavis of Butthead movie. And I just remember like seeing it and seeing the cover of Beavis of Butthead. I was like, oh, I'm familiar with those two cartoons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's what got me into stuff was like you said, the covers of things and just. Like the little scan and being like, oh whoa, this is pretty cool. You know, Kirk Cobain sounds pissed. I am too, as I'm eleven years old. <laughs> <You
0: know>? <laughs> <laughs> There's so much to be mad about right now.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so
0: yeah. So so here's a question I wanted to dive into. This kind of taking a, a little bit of a sidestep or actually a back step and going back to the, the origin story. Yeah. After you started getting into this, you, you in fact you made a post the other day talking about it, how a lot of the music industry and entertainment itself is mm. like pro wrestling. And yeah. I definitely believe that to be true, especially at the highest levels. Um, but I, I, I have not experienced that same thing. I've, I've gotten mm-hmm. to know some pretty well-known people through the podcast and some of them have become, you know, good friends, uh, yeah. which is crazy to think about. But, um, and those people have always seemed really genuine to me and it's always been a real conversation and a real talk, but you know, only one of those people uh, is currently filling stadiums, you know? So I wondered if you could extrapolate on that a little further here.
1: Right. Absolutely. You know, I think everyone's experience is going to be different because there are so many different personalities in the world. Mm -hmm. So I don't like to pigeonhole anybody. So when I say like, the music industry is like professional wrestling. I don't want to say all artists because that's not true. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but a lot of the time you'll have, I'm sure you've heard of like industry plants. Oh, yeah. Right. So, you know, it's a lot like professional wrestling in the fact that, you know, we, we look at these people as not naming anyone specific, but we look at artists and everything and everyone's like, oh, you know, they wrote such a good song, et cetera, et cetera. But they don't give credit, not the artist, but the people who listen to the artist. They don't give the time or credit to look into the people who actually made the song, mm-hmm. who actually quote, wrote the script, unquote, right? Yeah. And so that to me is like how it's like professional wrestling is I think that producers, you know, uh, composers or anybody that just helped to write, co-writers, et cetera, et cetera, instrumentalists should really get their own, you know, praise as well because they're really the ones making everything happen. At least when it comes to, uh, like you had said, when it comes to like the, the top, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, tons of rock bands are still writing their own stuff. Tons of pop artists are still writing their own stuff. Tons of rappers are still writing their own stuff. But when we start looking at maybe the top three to five, no one in specific, but when we start looking at the top three to five, you know, you're having people write their script, write their lyrics. And honestly, in my opinion, there's no problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I just hope everyone gets their own credit.
2: Hi, I'm Vincent, and I'm here to talk about the Merit Fury Mer- X. My dad's always going on and on about how cool Maris is. He really went off on one about the Mercury X the other day. He said something about a 4800 hertz sample rate and 99 preset locations and 33 banks? And something along the lines of, The most advanced reverb pedal ever devised by man? That's all true, but I only care about one thing. This pedal sounds sick. So make sure you check out the Mercury X and all the other fine products at maris.us as well as fine retailers worldwide. Alright, Dad, all right. now can I have my Pocky?
0: How exactly do artists get their music on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, all these services? How in the world do you get your music there? Well, in the past you had to use something called a record label, but these days you can use DistroKid. DistroKid is the absolute easiest way to get your music up on streaming services, and it's the most affordable way to do so. Not only do plans start at $22.99 for the entire year, that's less than two bucks a month, DistroKid also does not take a cut of your streaming revenue, unlike some other services out there. Even better if you sign up by going to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. That's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. One more time, that's ToneMob.com slash DistroKid. You'll get 30% off. That's right, 30% off. They're already extremely reasonable prices. So go to ToneMob.com slash DistroKid and get your music out there. Yeah, that makes some sense. That, yeah, I'm glad you kind of expanded on that because I was like, I think I know what he means, but I'm not sure that I fully get it. So that that does make some sense. I think, like you said, especially with the big projects, I think very few consumers understand like how many fingers are in that pot, all yeah. trying to get that same point zero zero three
1: <laughs> cents per stream. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You no, know, another thing is. Um going to professional wrestling topic. So people also don't understand that a lot of artists, again, we're talking about the top, a lot of artists are playing a character, mm-hmm. you know? So they, Oh, you know, so, and so this, that, and the other is like, it's entertainment. This is the entertainment industry. It's entertainment. A lot of the times what you're seeing is somebody playing a character. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing um, what we would consider to be their true self. They're playing a character. They're getting you interested. They're getting your clicks. You're getting your views. And someone's telling them, like, hey, you should probably act like this. This will get a lot of clicks. Yeah. You know, that's just the era that we're in.
0: hmm Well, I mean, even to some degree, I've always tried to be extremely real and honest uh, on all my platforms. But I don't tell everybody everything. I'm yeah. not going to, you know. And some people have not criticized me in particular, but criticized just people in social media land you know, create content creators in general yeah. for only showing the good stuff. And I'm super right. guilty of that. I only show the good stuff really because, you know, most fortunately, knock on wood, most of the the hard things that I've had to deal with are other people's private lives that I'm involved with. And that can't, that can't go out there. That, that absolutely right. can't go out there. I'm not going to go be like, by the way, I had to deal with this today when that hmm. person's like still dealing with it. You know, uh, I'm very fortunate in that, like, most of my difficulties, you know, can be private. Uh, That said, when uh, the whole Willamette Valley was on fire, I was certainly posting about it because I was like, I might have to leave my house. So I do try to be, I try to be legit, but not everything is for public consumption. And I think that criticism is fair, but also needs to be recognized that, like, hey, people are allowed to have a private life. That's okay. And if they only want to share the good parts, that's what most people only want to share. So,
1: yeah, you know. absolutely. Like, not everybody is going to post their losses, they're just going to post their wins, you know, and that's kind of where we're at with social media. And because, you know, people see, people don't see the, the up and down, they just see the one line trajectory of everything. Yes. You know, so one of my favorite quotes going back to Allison Chains was by Jerry Cantrell. And he said, it takes years to become an overnight success. Absolutely. And when I heard that quote, my brain exploded. Like, this makes so much sense, coming from someone in the industry and at the time myself trying to get in, you know? And it makes so much sense because if I posted every loss I'd ever have, it would literally be my whole feed. My whole feed would be lost. (laughs)
3: Exactly.
1: And that's what it is, you know? So I think a lot of people... When you start getting trolls or judgmental people, it's because they're just seeing the one line trajectory. They think, oh, they lucky, you know, or, oh, they did this or, oh, they knew this person. So that's how they don't see all the losses. They don't see every time you got second or third place. You know what I mean? They see Mm -hmm. what you got first place. They don't see the hours you put into it. Um, For me, you know, one of my uh, biggest hobbies that I love to do that I've always loved was bodybuilding. So when mm-hmm. you see a bodybuilder on stage, you only see that hour. You don't see the hours and hours in the gym and the suffering with cutting calories. And you know what I mean? You don't see that part. And that's for anything, any athlete, anything like that. Uh, of course, basketball, I'm a huge basketball fan. So same thing. You don't see the behind the scenes. You only see the trajectory of first place. And that's it. So I understand what you're saying, you know, and I agree, too. I don't always post my losses. but I always am inspired when people post their losses because I'm like, wow, you know, they're really willing to do that. And yeah. I think that's great. It's definitely, it's definitely, um, more outside my comfort zone, but I always look up to those people because it's like, mm-hmm. wow, you know, that's a, uh, that's a big set of balls for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, funny enough that you mentioned the bodybuilder thing, because like, while I don't look like it, uh, like that's where I. That's where I take the hard times. I yeah. internalize them, and that's where I release them. Is when I'm wow. working out. It's like, yeah. it's hard to. It's hard to be stressed about anything, other than the 400 pounds on your back when you've got 400 pounds <laughs> on your back. You know, you can't really think about much else.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. It's... And and my best ideas. I know a lot of people get their best ideas in the showers. My best ideas come from when I'm lifting weights. Oh, all oh, the time. All the time, and that dopamine rush, like. All of my best ideas um and I'm insane with like you know marketing and stuff i'm literally between sets i'll be on the phone on LinkedIn, connecting with this person, talking to this person, talking to like e s p n hey, can we get this song featured blah 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 like i'm always on the go twenty four seven but I always feel best in the gym, just like you said. I always feel great every mm-hmm. time
0: yep this this entire podcast and in- this weird thing that I'm doing now all came from after a weightlifting session, I was headed into the sauna and I was just like, you know, there aren't any podcasts doing this currently that I'm aware of. Maybe I should try to do that. And now, now we're here. Um, this this was, you just never, you never, and again, that was like 2015. That was a long time ago. It takes it. And I feel in a lot of ways, like I'm just getting started still. Yeah.
1: But that. look at all you've built, but look at all you've built just by looking like an Instagram. You know what I mean? Look at all you've built. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to always put that into perspective that I don't think anybody's ever finished, right? I don't right. think anyone ever feels like they're finished. But where you are, no matter what aspect of life, where you are is where thousands want to be. Mm-hmm. So I think always telling yourself that and always keeping a keen eye on that is very important a success.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, 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 something that really helps me remember that is when I have to do things that I used to have to do all the time that I don't like doing, for uh, for instance, re-roofing my house recently, I helped them tear off. I was like, I don't know how to roof a house, but I can, I know how to tear things off. I'm not just going to stand here while you guys do this, you know? So I I was doing it and I was like, oh, you know, you used to do this for a living. (laughs) This wasn't that fun, was it?
1: like it was a good
0: reminder like sometimes you know we all have hard days we have struggles we get like oh man that was a long day that didn't go quite as well as I'd wanted and up there doing that I was like remember when you did this every day all Mm -hmm. of the problems that you have to deal with from a business perspective now are they're fine you know it's it's managed very manageable so like you're right Uh, I always have to remind myself that like Even just a couple of years ago, me would would be like shocked that I get to do this. And it's only because big shout out to the listeners that are hearing this right now. That's the only reason. So thanks for your time, everyone. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Life changing,
1: quite literally. Absolutely. I was listening to uh, an Arnold Schwarzenegger speech yesterday and he had said at one of his speeches, you know, he would work out for like five hours a day. And this actually is really good for musicians, those who are listening. So he'd work out like five hours a day and, you know, people would say, Arnold, you know, you're in the gym and all you do is smile. Why are you smiling? And he said, how can I be angry? Right. I, I'm doing what I love. You know, how can I be angry? He's like, if I never made it in bodybuilding, you know, I'd be yodeling somewhere. Right. And Austin, you know? And so I think that's a big takeaway. Like you said, you know, where you are now is not where you were and where you are now is also not where you're going to be, you know? So keeping that momentum going is, is amazing. And to be out of the nine to five is an amazing feeling. Yeah. Some days are still hard. Don't get me wrong. You know, some days are still hard. Like sometimes you got a song, you're like, ah, man, you know, I got to finish this or, you know, you're, you're booked with a bunch of things. You're booked with interviews, you're booked with this, you're booked with that and time management, You know, if you're not great at it, then sometimes like, ah, but I would much rather, much, much, much rather go through that (laughs) every single day. Yes. Much rather, you know, than working nine to five. I've never been a good nine to five worker. Like, I'll be honest with you. I've never been a good nine to five worker. I never was a good nine to five worker. Mm -hmm. And I think it's okay. I think that's okay for people to admit. Not everybody's cut out for it. Nine to five is tough. It's tough, you know? And so I really think if anyone's going to do anything, you might as well see what you can get away with and just try, just try Mm -hmm. to do what you love and see if it works out. I would personally rather be 80 years old in a rocking chair and have failed, but then like, you know what? I tried, Mm -hmm. you know, instead of what if, yeah. Yeah. And to be 80 years old and have maybe three years left. And not knowing what comes after any of this and be like, damn, it really should have, mm-hmm. you know? So, I, but I think we're doing that. I think we're doing that as a society. I think we're waking up to that. I see a lot more people doing what they love. I see a lot more people getting out of the nine to five, you know, and, and really building their own brands, their own companies, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. You know, I could, nev- I can never knock someone making 20 million a month on OnlyFans. You kidding me? Right. Hell yeah. <laughs>
0: Must be nice, yeah. right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Do it. You yeah. know? And so, so that's where I come from. You know, I, I come from that state of, you know, you might as well try. You might as well try and get it figured out. If you fail, then you have a decision to either try something else you love or go back to the nine to five. And, and mm-hmm. that's it. And that's it.
0: Well, and that's the other thing. I, I want to be careful when I'm talking about this stuff, too, because I think of, uh, I think of my dad in this scenario. Yeah. And I've brought this up a lot on the show and he is cut out for the nine to five. Yeah. Like he, that's what he, he ran his own business. He ran it for 12 or 13 years and did not like it. He's like, I don't like doing this. Is I don't like running a business. I don't like, I just like to be able to go into work, do my job well, leave and not worry about it till tomorrow. Whereas, yeah. you know, whether you're a small business owner, a musician, what an artist of any kind, whether we want to admit it or not, you're running a business at the end of the day and Absolutely. you're always thinking about it. You're, there is no real time off from it. Absolutely. Not really. Uh, except maybe when you're working out or in an isolation tank or something that's even in an yeah. ISO tank though, I'm yeah. still thinking about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, so, you know, and I'm more comfortable with that. You know, mm-hmm. I, there's a quote that gets thrown around all the time where it says like an entrepreneur is somebody who works 80 hours a week so they don't have to work a 40. And that is, I, a hundred percent me. A hundred percent me. Yes. Not, it's not my dad, though. And it's not a lot of people. And I right. think when we get into conversations like this, people who are wired like you and I tend to get pretty excited about it because we're so excited that we get to do this all the time. Yeah. But we've got to remember to acknowledge the people who are like, I don't want to do that. I want to just work my job and do my thing. That's all I want to do. And that's perfectly okay, too.
1: Absolutely. You know, I don't think... A fish should be, uh, you know, I don't think a a fish should be blamed for its ability to climb a tree. Right. So if some, if someone's good at a nine to five, they're already better at something than me. I'm not Mm -hmm. good at five. So I would never pass judgment on anybody working a nine to five because it is hard. It's something I can't do. It's something I was never good at. So seeing people who are good at it, I think they deserve praise as well because it is tough it is very tough so well, I always, all
0: of our systems are built upon those people
1: all yeah, of them <laughs> yeah the world works for those warriors because they are warriors to get up every day and to just go with the flow and to be okay with everything that's you know dished out at them for better or worse something i could never do honestly yeah <laughs> and so mm-hmm. i think they deserve a lot more praise cuz i hate when entrepreneurs go after that i hate when you know they start bashing like 9 to 5 workers like it, it, that's their choice. If they want to do that, then that's totally fine. And I think it's awesome.
0: And also, like entrepreneurs, artists, etc., everything we're talking about would not exist. We would not be able to do it without right. everyone doing what they do. It's just, right. That's just a fact. If there was nobody to buy tickets to the concert, yep. those, concert those performers wouldn't have any way to make a living. 99% that's- of the people who attend those have regular jobs. And that's what they like to do, you know, so that's their escape. That's their escape. Mm-hmm. And then and I think sometimes, like you said, they deserve more credit and we got to acknowledge that in these conversations, too. And I don't think it's anybody trying to do it maliciously or bash anybody or anything like that. It's just because we are the wired the way we are. We get so t- tied up in all our own nonsense and thoughts. Yeah. And we got to re- remember, not everyone thinks like that. You know, yeah. not everyone was wired that way absolutely so segueing away from this a little bit you've mentioned some other things in other posts of suggestions for insert type of artist here whatever <laughs> it happens to be <laughs> that are a little different than i think what is normally pushed by if you want to call it the mainstream you yeah. know rolling stone type media yeah. uh, you've you've taken a different path altogether yes you've gotten with producers and things but you've talked about submitting things to uh music libraries and things like that can you go a little bit further into that
1: absolutely and this actually piggybacks on what you were saying about um when you're an artist you own your own business and i don't think the material is out there enough for artists right Mm -hmm. i don't think a lot of people talk about these things, which is no fault on the artist. No fault on the artist. It's actually a fault on the industry. But the industry, a lot of the times, not always, because there's really good record labels out there. There are really good record labels. Um, But I think the industry kind of wants to uh, not really show all the info to the artist, like not show the whole magic trick, right? Mm -hmm. For an artist to make money, in my own opinion, I think it's best for an artist to... Make connections on such sites like LinkedIn. If you're not familiar, LinkedIn is more of your professional Facebook, is what I would say. Yeah. So you can connect with people who are A and R at Republic Records, or you can connect with people who run the music for Lionsgate, the music supervisor for Lionsgate films. You can find those people if you truly believe in your music and you're of the mindset of, well, you know, I only have x amount of listeners a month on spotify and i'm only making x amount of dollars on spotify and i really can't live off that but i do believe in my music i really think that finding music supervisors on linkedin and pitching them your music is honestly where you're going to get your money that's where you're going to get your money when you get placements in film when you get your placements in tv uh when you get placements with bigger artists for example you know, because I just did some guitar work for B.O.B. When you get your stuff with bigger firms and bigger corporations, that's where your income is really going to come from. Placement has the highest rate of income mm-hmm. rather than streaming. And there's no, I don't think there's a problem with streaming. I'm of the mindset of, hey, I think it's a tool, right? But you should use every tool in a toolbox. So I do believe Artists should get a hold of music supervisors, get with a music supervisor you like, you trust that have, that's had a good track record of getting placements and shows and send your music along and see if you get placed. That's where I feel that we are in music right now, because look at all the songs that are big right now, running up the hill or running up that hill, right? Mm -hmm. Kate Bush, Metallica, back on top, you know? So the bands, the artists that are big right now, they're big again because of placement. It's not yeah. screaming; it's placement. Stranger Things, uh, Euphoria. My producer just had a uh, placement in Euphoria with Bob. You know, so like having the placements is what matters a lot more, in my mm-hmm. opinion, than anything else. So I think artists should really go after that.
0: We are brought to you today by Sweetwater, specifically the Gear Exchange. You may have heard about this. This is a place where you can go to buy and sell your used gear. Maybe you got a pedal over there that's just kind of collecting dust. Maybe there's something you've been eyeing from the Sweetwater catalog. Well, right now is a great time to turn that unused gear into something you're actually going to use. Even better, if you sell on the gear exchange, you can keep 100% of the sale as long as you choose a Sweetwater gift card as your payout method. That is not too shabby because... Let's be honest, most of this buying and selling we do is just to fund new gear purchases, and that is a great way to reach a wide variety of customers and keep 100% in your pocket, or rather, on your pedal board. So go check out the Sweetwater Gear Exchange and turn that unused gear into something that's actually going to help you write that next huge riff.
3: Hello there. I'd like to introduce you to your new best friend, the Chase Bliss Audio, Lossy. Lossy is a collaboration between Chase Bliss and GoodBirds. Well, it's meant to give you some control over those weird digital artifacts that come with every compressed audio. You're getting it right now. All the changes that are taking place are strictly coming from my playing danielets. I'm just interacting with the pedal and letting it do its thing. And some true stereo goodness. If you'd like some more details about Lossing, I'd invite you to head over to ChaseBlitzAudio.com. You're
0: gonna like what you find. Yeah, and admittedly, some of that was really selfish because ever since I put out uh, the American Cyclops record, everyone's the number one thing I get is uh, you know, like, hey, this should be you should be doing movies, you should be doing soundtracks for movies, and I was like, that's like one of the main things I want to do, you know. But yeah. and I'm so disconnected of- from it. No,
1: your work, your work is literally perfect. Your work is so perfect for like video games and like film. Like every time I hear your stuff, I was like, "Yo, this could be huge!" (laughs) Like every.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much, man. That I appreciate that. But I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm just barely starting to dip my toe into that world. Just like peeling back the curtains. There's a library that I um have gotten approval to work with now, and I'm like, okay, I'm I'm. You know, I'm a little leery because, like, I'm like, oh boy, I've done everything myself this whole time. But at the same time, I'm like, this seems like if you want to get into it, you, much like the music world, you know, the only way I was able to get into it is just start sending messages, just start sending emails,
1: and Absolutely. then that's what happens. You know, yeah, and that's what puts people ahead. I don't believe that anyone's better than anybody. That's my own opinion. I don't believe that. I just think there are some people who find different avenues. To mm-hmm. success, for example, you just brought up Emails, man To uh, to get the song that I have with the NBA With the Dallas Mavericks yeah, This took tr- hundreds of emails Hundreds of emails It's not like the song just came out And like Mark Cuban was like, hey man, do you want $100,000? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that didn't happen It was literally, you know um, My producer and I We had made the song, I'm a big fan of the Dallas Mavs Luka Doncic, the song came out and i started sending emails because i knew the mavericks had to hear it. i just wanted someone to hear it i didn't yeah. think it would you know just start start its own culture you know and so one person tamara uh tamra she actually put out the article on the song and from there it just went crazy but before she heard the song before anything like that before it went crazy it was hundreds of emails to everybody whether it was the popcorn person or whether it was mark cuban or whether it was a writer everybody got an email and i was like i just want the mavericks to hear this so i told them my story my background where i come from why the song was created and why i feel they should take a listen to it Mm -hmm. and so that's what it takes though that's what it takes is like you said just the emails the connecting with people being a real person and not just putting your music out there and being like, well, new song, listen. What's, what, what's drawing me to that? What's drawing me to that? You know, of course, if you've been following, like, for example, System of a Down, then that's going to work. Just because their fan base is already built. That's already there. They are legendary, you know, Hall of Fame worthy, right? So you you can do that. But when you're starting out, when you're an independent artist, you have to give someone a reason to listen to it. And for me, being a Dallas Mavericks fan, being a Luka Doncic fan, this song came out and it connected me with people just like myself. Mm -hmm. And now the fan base that has been built from that song are people like me. They're my friends, you know, because I can go on Twitter and we can talk about basketball and they're always screenshotting, oh, I'm listening to this song right now, you know, and then it just keeps the wheel moving, keeps the wheel moving. So for independent artists, I really think connecting with people talking about things you like in your music is a huge key because that'll connect you to people who are lifelong fans that love what you do and will always love what you do because you are them and they are you Mm
3: -hmm.
0: yeah i mean and i can i can back that up in a somewhat different way like if i look at my demographics breakdown on who's consuming my content it's me (laughs) it's it's people just like me because you know as much as we say opposites attract, I don't necessarily think that's 100 percent true all the time. I right. think we tend to gravitate to people who we understand, you know, a yeah. little bit more. And yeah, so it's not at all shocking. I'm like, okay, who's a brick? And it's like guitar players from 25 to you know, 40,
1: like, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds about right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that pencils. And, I think, and that's so important is to know your demographic, because human nature, we can smell dishonesty. We can Mm -hmm. smell dishonesty. We can hear dishonesty in music. You know, um, you'll have a band release a track and it'll just get panned. It might sound great. You know, on wax, it sounds great. But people are like, oh, this sounds totally dishonest or this sounds like this. People can sense it. People can Mm -hmm. sense it when you're trying to pander to a demographic that you don't actually enjoy that musicality of, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are a, a rocker, and you've never liked shoegaze, just for example, like that was never your genre was shoegaze. Mm-hmm. And you make a shoegaze record, I guarantee it's not going to go wild on the charts because right. it might sound great, but people can sense the dishonesty. They can sense it. So mm-hmm. that's why with Luca Magic coming out and everything, you know, it was about something I really loved, something I really enjoyed. And so people found value in that because it's something they can also relate to. Yeah. You know, and that's why I believe the song's done so well
0: hmm. So what are your thoughts now on songs? We've talked a lot about individual songs doing well and doing things versus, you know, the more old school mentality that I tend to have, which is yeah. album, like going front to back. And the album itself is a is a one cohesive thing that's kind yeah. of meant to be consumed together. That's definitely not what is seemingly popular these days. But do you think there's right. any room for that?
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm of the mindset of music in general doesn't have any rules. You know, there's no rules in my opinion. Um, And I guess that's where my punk rock mentality comes from. But, you know, I would say this. I would say that for certain bands, like for example, in my opinion, like Gojira, I think they're a great album band because Mm -hmm. it's just so cohesive. But maybe, just for example, not specifically, but maybe someone like Lil Uzi Vert isn't much of an album guy. Maybe he's more of a singles guy. Okay, you know, Not a problem with either artist, right? right. But um, Gojira is just so known for their cohesiveness that they are kind of solidified to be able to put out a record. And it's going to be streamed the whole way through. The right. whole way through, because they're just very masterful at it. Um, whereas somebody in my realm, in the pop realm, we're not usually the strongest album people we're more of the singles people and so i I think there's no real rhyme or reason i will say though that right now currently looking at the data it looks like singles are better than albums Mm -hmm. just in general but like I, i still do feel there's room um for your bands like gojira putting out full length two hour long albums or like tool you know, putting out their five and a half hour long albums. <laughs> you know, it's true. Um, yeah, and there's still room for it, though. There's still room for it for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: So, one more question on the kind of the more general music topic before we get into the final questions of the podcast. So, when you and because now you've been through this process, I've I've wrote in the rock band context and I've wrote for myself solo, and that's really it. I've done. Yeah some collaborations here and there where it was like hey we want we just want another layer of guitars on this track and i'll listen to it and just be like mm-hmm. hey i'll do a different sounding guitar on this particular track i didn't really consider that much of a a right you know it's just like oh, i'll just add some texture to this or whatever mm-hmm. but when you're actually looking at things to make another pop single out of and you're listening to you got people submitting things from your producers and people that they know and people that, you know, you got people, you got all kinds of different little clips coming in here and there. Yeah. What is it that like, is there a specific thing that you're looking for or does it vary song to song? Or you're like, you know, if this, if this track does like this really cool thing on the one and the three at just the right time, we know it grabs people's attention. Or is it just like, we listen to it, we see what works and we just go from there.
1: That's a great question. You know, coming from rock and most of the rock that I've consumed, I'll be honest, has been mainstream. It's been Nirvana, Allison Chains, like that was always me. It's been Metallica, Megadeth, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I don't feel bad about saying that. You know, I've always consumed the more mainstream stuff. I'm a huge fan of Dad Rock. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> huge fan. You know, so for me though, coming from that, I always looked at the songwriting of that. So for me when i go into a song whether i'm producing it or whether it's my own music i have my own set of guidelines i love starting out with a chorus because that just grabs attention real quick Mm -hmm. Uh, and i like having at least three choruses in a song because then it becomes catchy Um, i like to keep songs about two to two and a half minutes that's Mm -hmm. another thing that i like to do that's also become industry standard now for those listening you know, that's industry standard now is about two to two and a half minutes um, just for replayability replay- wise. Mm-hmm. In terms of production, it does vary song to song. But for example, uh, a producer like mine, Saw Sword Rich, he's just about 10 times platinum this time. He knows my settings. You know, he knows right. like, okay, I want to set his vocals here, um, dip off here at this frequency, et cetera, et cetera. So he has all that covered. And he also knows my, uh, my BPM. I love a certain BPM. That's just what I can write on in like five minutes. Like Luca Magic was written in like five minutes, you know, because the BPM was just perfect for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, another producer I work with, Loose Jock, same thing. Like they just know where I sit well in my EQs and everything that they have that covered. But for me to get into a song, it's more so like BPM. So yeah, I definitely think that I have my own formula that I enjoy.
0: Cool, cool yeah it's just interesting to you know i I know i talked to you about it in the email i'm like i don't really know how this works so i'm just gonna send you a bunch of stuff and like whatever i don't know what what you're gonna do with it (laughs) like if anything and so i'm like i don't know you know sometimes it's hard for me because i've got i got lots and lots of wave files you know some of which don't make a lot of sense but maybe in a different context would and so it's sometimes it's it's like hard to parse through when you're trying to work with different people. And on, on when, you know, I'm just, I've spent years yeah. sketching by myself. It's kind of an interesting exercise to see what works for other people in context that I'm not even really that familiar with, you know?
1: I think I speak for every guitarist. I love reverb. So once I hear reverb on a guitar, like <laughs> <laughs> I love landscapes, like that's, that's another thing that I love is landscapey sounds. I mm-hmm. love like when I first heard what you had sent me, it just sounded so landscapy and like you can create a vision in your head. And I was like, oh, fuck, like this needs to be used somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that. I love when I can like see a picture. And I've also been bringing more quote unquote real instrumentation into my music just oh, so yeah. I can, start. you know, um, so people see like, oh, he's not getting away from rock music. He still really likes it. Like, yeah, of course, you know, mm-hmm. but I have to show people that. You know, because yeah. they don't want to look at my old album collection, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I have people that like, hey, no, I come from everything. Like, I grew up on everything, man. You mm-hmm. know, so to have like little guitar sounds here and there, but then also have an 808 thud. And that's why I'm mm-hmm. really like meshing everything together.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and then I get so weird, as you're aware, like I, I make my guitar not even sound like a guitar half of the time. Sounds amazing. <laughs> so it, it sounds, sounds amazing. Like, what is it? Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Um, well, let's see. We we are getting close to the end here and I need to ask you the classic questions to wrap this thing up. But also, I like to give the guest a chance to plug anything they want to plug. Shout out anybody they want to shout out. This is your kind of time to take the floor and just say whatever you want to say to a, you know a few thousand people
1: appreciate it. Well, you know, it's been amazing. And I always look at myself as the backseat driver to anything, to any kind of success. I'm always the backseat driver. Honestly, the people who do it are the people that follow you, the people who listen to your music, the people who push it. So I have to give big thanks to Forbes who had me in. I have to give a big thanks to Fox who had me in NBC, Dallas Mavericks, all the amazing fans of the Dallas Mavericks, of this song, Luca Magic. I have to give a big thanks to my producer, Saucer Rich. Uh, Big thanks to B.O.B., uh, and just a big thanks to anyone really following this journey because it really has been a journey that I'm so thankful to have been a part of, mm-hmm. for sure. And yeah. if people would like to look more into this, you know, you can follow my Instagram uh, and you can follow my Twitter as well. My Twitter is XL Tweets and my Instagram is XL Woof, E X E L W L F. And I'd love for people to jump on board. You know, I'm always here to help artists as well. So if any artist is listening and they want my help, I'll do anything I can to give what I feel is good advice in my own opinion. You know, because my opinion can always be put up against the wall and be trash. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. I'll I'll always do my best uh, Mm -hmm. to give what I feel can help somebody out. Because I just want to see people succeed. I think that's the biggest takeaway. I just want to see people succeed. Um, Like I said earlier, I always just wanted to see what I can get away with, you know? And so when it was the NBA and then that song was played in front of 20,000 people and then it was like, well, can I get this bigger? And then it was Forbes and then it was Fox. And it's like, you can really do anything. Like what I was taught in kindergarten is so true. (laughs) You can really do it all, you you know? So, so if anyone needs my help or guidance in any means, if they need a, uh, couch therapist i'm here for that as well so (laughs) whatever i can do to help people out
0: that's great man so yeah all the links for that will be of course in the show notes everybody so you don't got to swerve off the road to you know try to rewind this and type back type that into your instagram it'll be in the show notes stay safe it's all good but uh thank you for that that was great and now we're going to dive into the classic questions here we go first one is what is your favorite boss pedal
1: Oh, wow. I have to tell you, my favorite Boss pedal is their Chorus pedal. I love the Chorus pedal. I believe it was the CH2?
0: Uh, yeah, The CE2.
1: CE. CE2. C-E-2. Yeah, yeah. yeah. C-E. Mm-hmm. I love that pedal. I really oh, do. Yeah. I loved it. There was so much I could finagle with and everything. I remember I got rid of it to trade what i thought was trading up uh for the small clone mm-hmm. but no i much preferred the boss pedal to be honest with you
0: well ce2 is a wonderful pedal i li- yes <laughs> that's that's a very common answer is the ce2 really? There's actually yeah yeah i'm, I'm gonna there's I thought a i was
1: doing something with that without answer
0: <laughs> that's, hey, it's, well it's really it's such a classic sound you know what i mean it's like it's it, the 80s in a good way you know it, it sounds so good it's such a good circuit but uh, there's a there's a listener that's actually going back through every episode. I think I started asking that question around episode like 150. Yeah, uh, and they're going back through every episode and uh, putting into a spreadsheet the guest and what their answer to that question is. So yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be really really curious to see what the most popular answer is because everyone's Ooh. I feel like said every. Everything at this point. And I get it all mixed up in my head. I can't remember who said what, when, where, how. And yeah. so uh, it's going to be a fun experiment when they get done with it to see what the what the statistics look like. Because uh, I don't think a survey like this has ever been done at such scales. <laughs> yeah. So we'll and find I've out.
1: I've never... The thing about Boss is I never had a pedal with boss like I was willing to spend like a lot of money on. Mm-hmm. The only brand I was like, oh, I gotta get that one was uh Electro Harmonics. Yeah. <clears throat> I actually wanted to buy the first run of the op amp big muff when it first oh, came out. Yeah, yeah. Uh so mm-hmm. fortunately didn't grab it because I thought it'd always be around it was on reverb. Um it wasn't always around. It got sold like right after I was like eh, I'll get it next week. So I had to go online. I got a reproduction. I don't know if many are familiar, but uh, the brand is called Made by Mike Pedals. Oh, I've never heard of those. Okay. So he makes a Siamese dream pedal. It's called the Dreambox. Mm-hmm. And so what it is, is it's an op-amp big muff on one side. And on the other side, the booster is an MXR Distortion Plus. And ah. combined, yo, combined... Yeah. My amp set up in stereo it literally sounded like siamese dream like mm. it was so like poofy you know what i mean just like cloudy just incredible and then i ran a uh keely delay set mm-hmm. to like 30 milliseconds or something like that so it sounded like dual guitars yo best sound i've ever had in my life was on stage was that point was at that point that was my peak that
0: was my peak man i i forget how much i like the op amp sound the op amp big muff is such a cool circuit and i think still even now people a lot of people don't realize that it does indeed sound different than every other version of the big muff out there because it's actually a completely (laughs) different circuit it's it's not the same at all sonically it's in the same wheelhouse but it's completely different circuit and it has a different feel op amp big muff is just so good so good
1: yeah and at the at the time you know at least a few years ago in the grunge scene you know everyone was playing more of your like green russian big muff mm-hmm. uh, for that grunge sound and to my knowledge you know the people i was playing around i was going one with the op amp you never heard siamese dream like this is the <laughs> <same>. <laughs> mm-hmm. i've always loved that like velcro sound. i love that velcro sound that it had
0: yeah definitely All right, man. Final question, and we'll wrap this up, and we'll get weird on the Patreon section. So this is the one that uh, gets a little dicey sometimes. This is the the one that tears families apart, but uh, I think we got to go for it. What is your
1: favorite kind of pizza? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) You know what? No, 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 no. I was actually just afraid of getting canceled for this. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say... It's the pineapple and bacon. Oh
0: he's going there
1: podcast. That's what it is.
0: (laughs) It is. You love it. You love the you love the pineapple.
1: I never understood how people can like knock sweet and and savory. Like that's just human taste bud. This is how it works. So like when people back like you're you're lying. You're lying so bad.
0: I can't I can't do it. And it's not it's not that I don't like sweet and salty, because I do. I love it. And in fact, I just confirmed this the other day. I do this to myself and I think a lot of people should do this too. I try things periodically that I know I don't like because I have developed tastes for things over time. When I was a kid, I hated onions, hated them. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love onions now. I don't know how I could have ever hated them. (laughs) You know, there's a handful of things like that, that. Sauerkraut. I used to hate sauerkraut. Now I like sauerkraut on my dogs. So it's like, I was saying things over time that I've tasted and, I, and I've grown and I will routinely go back to pineapple, just pineapple mm. by itself. I don't like pineapple by itself. Mm. And as of last week, I can confirm I still do not like pineapple by itself. I can eat it. I'm not going to throw it. I'm not going to spit it out. But I'm like, no, nah, I just don't like pineapple
1: for some reason. I don't know what it is. Hey, man, you know, mm. I think there was an episode of Doug. Didn't Doug dip bananas in like pizza sauce? Yeah, something
0: like that. That sounds rough. But uh, that, hey, you know, that's
1: where I would draw the line. When someone's <laughs> like, oh, let's put bananas on the jaw, I'd be like, "No, I'm out. No, we can't do that. I got I've got
0: to, I've got to I, go. I've got to I, I'll see you yeah. later.
1: I, too much potassium, sorry. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, dude, thank you so much for coming on. This is a blast and I'm I'm excited to see what we get into on the uh the bonus episode here.
1: Absolutely. Dude.
0: All right. Everybody, for Excel, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Excel and I had a great talk. I think you'll agree you just got done listening to it. But I have to say, yet again, Patreon is even better. And I'm not just saying that to get people to sign up, although it does keep food on the table. It really is just, you know, you spend an hour talking to somebody, And then you've really, you've broken the ice at that point. And, you know, that tends to lead to stranger and more interesting conversations on part two. I'm just saying. And if you'd like to get that, you can go to patreon.com slash tone mob. And for five bucks a month, you will get extra episodes beamed directly to your ears every single week. And I appreciate everybody who does that. And I understand if you can't. I totally get it. it's a weird world out there right now. But if you could force a loved one to listen to this, you know, that would be great. You know, just tell them you're going on a road trip and you've put on a perfect soundtrack and then just do nothing but play this podcast and get them hopelessly addicted to it so they download all of the back episodes and just listen forever and ever. Okay, it doesn't have to be that weird. But if you could tell somebody about it, that would be massively helpful. Seriously, the only reason this thing keeps growing is because you keep doing just that. And it is a huge help. I can't tell you how important that is. It really means the world to me. So if you could share this with somebody, that would be most excellent. All right. I'll talk to you next time, and I will see you on the Internet. As always, folks, bye-bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here, I just want to remind you,